Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Audrey Rinlisbacher, founder of The Mission Driven Mom and author of The Mission Driven Life. Thank you so much for reviewing and sharing out this podcast so that we can grow this message of moms building principle-centered and mission-driven homes. Today, I want to talk to you about something a little bit more personal. It's a little different than what I normally do on these podcasts, and I'll do my best to share my thoughts clearly and understandably, and I hope that what I share will somehow be of benefit to you in your life and experiences. So I spent a lot of years speaking and creating courses and teaching them online and writing books, mostly that sat in my computer. I did usually teach the classes I created, but anyway, I felt really strongly about this message that God wants me to share and felt more and more passionate about trying to find ways to share out principles and life mission and having purpose specifically and especially to moms and empowering them with information that had empowered me. And so my husband and I went on this hike and by the end of that experience, we felt very strongly that the way to move forward was to share the concept of life mission with moms. And so I got started with the Mission Driven Mom and I had uh, a couple great women helping me to start building the curriculum. And you kind of have to understand my frame of reference at the time. I had a very clear vision given to me by God of what this would eventually look like. And it was a big, big picture, had a big dream of tens of thousands of moms uh, in their living rooms, gathered together, studying important life-changing material and bringing that home to their families and through changing themselves and teaching these concepts to their families, their families would be strengthened, their faith would be buoyed up, they would feel powerful and they would have a positive influence in their communities and throughout the world. And so I knew this is where we were headed and what needed to be built. But my experience to this point was pretty limited because I had created several courses, Principles of Liberty and um, Enlightened Minds and other things like that. And I had had a lot of fun in the creation part and I had taught the material and that was fun for a time, but I'd kind of get burned out on teaching the same thing over and over again. These had really just kind of been glorified hobbies. I'd done a lot of speaking and I continued to speak. I had done a YouTube channel where I book blogged every day for like two years. So people would stop asking me what they should read. I could just point them to my YouTube channel. And um, so all my projects had had been, you know, purposeful and exciting and intentional. But I never had this really big vision of where I wanted to 
to be at one at some point and all of the people that it would touch and and just the kind of clarity that I have with the mission driven mom. And so I had very kind of limited experience. I had almost no business experience and I had created courses that had lots of impact. And so I trusted the content, but I didn't foresee, you know, how fast it might grow or what the cost might be in a lot of ways. And so we're going along and we're doing this and it's getting bigger and bigger. We had uh, about, you know, we, we launched in September of 18 and by the end of last year, we had just around 200 students. And so that's a pretty big boom for your first year. I launched a podcast uh, last spring and that was growing pretty quickly and quite demanding. I had to release something every week and we all know that this fall, I didn't always do that. And um, and then I just, I, I knew from the beginning that there needed to be this celebration event to create accountability for the moms, but most importantly, to teach principles and to build community. They needed to get together and spend time together and get to know each other and feel the power that they, that they have as a group, the power that they have together. And at first I kind of naively thought, oh yeah, we'll do that the first year and we'll do that every year. (laughs) Got busier and busier, you know, board retreats and taxes and finances. And now, you know, there's, there's web work and there's editing and there's emails and there's social media and um, training and students to mentor. And, and then there's all the tech issues and, oh my heavens, it just really descended on me like a, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a great load. And the board is wonderful. Those are the most, some of the most stellar, incredible women that I know, but their time is very, very limited. And some of their experience in business was also very limited. And so I wanted to put off that first celebration event and I felt very strongly that I shouldn't. And I think I've talked about this in prior podcasts that, um, it ended up being a lot more work than I anticipated. Even though we got help, we hired help, the preparation for the information, I don't know, just, just it was a lot, a lot, a lot. And so by last summer, you know, we're getting going on this event and we have a good number of students and, and, and I'm doing these trainings for incoming students. Anyway, I started to say, well, I'm going to hire a secretary. <laughs> I said this like last spring. It became clear that I was not going to be able to keep up with everything without some help. And so I started saying, I'm going to hire a secretary. Well, by the, you know, late spring, I knew we were going to move soon. So then I would say, well, I'm going to hire a secretary after we move. And then I said, I'm going to hire a secretary after we get settled in. And then I said, I'll hire a secretary after the event. I have too much to do now, too much to think about. Then I said, okay, well, I'll hire a secretary after the holidays. And, you know, by this time, you know, we're six, seven, eight months into it. The board would like the help, you know, with some of the things that they're doing. And they're out there helping run cottage meetings and studying the curriculum and teaching and just doing all kinds of wonderful things. And and so, you know, they're just trusting me and like, well, the majority of the work's falling on Audrey anyway, so I guess she'll get help if she needs it or wants it. And... I don't know. I, I just always was working on what was right in front of me. And it's kind of like the Covey's, you know, 
the four areas or whatever, and you do whatever's urgent and necessary. And so I just didn't have time for lots of the business building that needed to happen. And by the fall, I knew that something really needed to change, not just in me getting more help, but in the way we were moving toward this big picture dream, right? And this big vision that that God's given us. And so, but I didn't know exactly how to get from here to there. I know the podcast is the right thing to do. I know I should send emails. I, I have lots of marketing ideas. I can't execute them all. I just don't have enough help. And so anyway, I just, I really, really, really needed a secretary, but I just kept putting it off. And so the holidays are over and I'm kind of out of excuses. And I was supposed to spend the holidays getting ahead on podcasts, which I clearly didn't. And I had thought, well, we have this new home in Dallas and we have an office. And so I thought that maybe the secretary and I could work out of the office. And then I started to realize, you know, the two of us can't work in the same small space. I have to record things. I have to teach things. She has to make phone calls and uh, make noise and make copies. And there's, it's just not going to work. We have to have two separate spaces to work. And I had this really uh, tough time thinking about kind of bringing someone in. And then, you know, what if, what am I going to be constantly telling my family to be quiet so that we could do what we needed to do because they want to live in their house. And so then that meant now in order to get a secretary and get the help that I needed, I was going to have to rent office space. Now, some of you are probably thinking, why doesn't she just get a virtual secretary and all that kind of stuff? And I never felt right about that. I feel like we need to be in the same space. And I've been hiring other help too for other things. I mean, I have designer and tech help and some web help. I've been getting better at getting the help that we need. But I'm, I'm fiercely independent. And I've always pretty much done everything for myself. And it really is tough for me to get the help that I need. But this is much bigger than me. And I knew that. And so I'm having this struggle. This struggle and finally, <laughs> you know, I realize we really just do need a separate office space where I can build a studio and my secretary can work in peace and, and, and help me. And so we start looking at office space and we find a few places. And I don't know. I just could not pull the trigger. I was just struggling and struggling and struggling. So here I am. I know I need the help. I know that we're probably going to have to get some office space. My husband is incredibly encouraging. He's in a position where he can make plenty of money for us in not a lot of time every week. He really wants to do this remodeling stuff that he loves doing. He's more than happy to take on more at home and he's done nothing but push me and encourage me and support me. But I just am struggling and struggling and I just can't bring myself to do it. And I honestly didn't really know why. It seemed like a good idea. It seemed like I had a support and, and not just a good idea, but like critical, like we're at a standstill. We essentially are really struggling to grow because th there's just not enough hands to do the work that's necessary at this point. So I'm getting ready for this Richard Paul Evans retreat that I just got back from. And as part of that preparation, I reread a couple of his books and I marked them up for him and, and all of that. And so I was <laughs> in the Christmas box miracle. And he's talking about those two years that he spent full time 
pushing the Christmas box in order to become the successful self-published author that he became. And I read this part. For the next eight weeks, I established a book tour routine. I would fly into a city, rent a car, and reserve a room at the cheapest hotel near the airport. Then I would do one or two signings, and if lucky, an interview with a local radio station. I would also stop at nearly every bookstore I drove past. I would go all day to the point of exhaustion, sometimes parking along the side of the road to nap in the car. And I got about that far, and I just started bawling. (laughs) And I wasn't even sure why. (laughs) It was just... And it took me, it took me a, a few minutes, a kind of, of introspection to recognize that I had really been counting the cost. And I am reading along in this book thinking, you know, is this the price of success? You know, in any endeavor, it doesn't have to be monetarily or in a business, just to succeed, to realize what you're, what you're dreaming of, is this really what it takes? Am I going to be gone all the time? And and I went to my closet and I spent a really long time just kind of struggling with God and talking through and thinking through this whole situation. And you know what I realized? I was petrified. I was just so scared. I had all kinds of fears. You know, I was... I was afraid of leaving my family, quote, leaving my family by going to an office, even though I'd already talked about only being there part of the day and still coming home in the afternoon and homeschooling the kids, <laughs> you know, even though the office space we found is literally a five minute walk from the house in front of a, a, a river and trees where the kids can play and I can go outside and be near them when I, when I need to, or they can come in if they need anything. Even though I have all of Blaine's support, I'm scared. I'm scared that it's going to put me on the road and I'm going, to, I'm going to be asked to be gone a lot. I'm scared that my children will feel that they're competing with MDM and they'll come to resent it. I'm afraid that I'll miss out on things that they're doing that I've always been there for. And I finally realized it's a real struggle in my heart. What's really happening is the struggle between these two callings that I feel, this calling to be a mom and this calling to, to help other moms. And I realized that I finally was at the point where I could really understand what it was going to take. Now, I do believe that God will make up the difference and I you know, when I'm in my kind of right mind and out of fear, I see that I can choose when I leave. I don't have to leave if I don't want to. We live in a virtual world that's very different from this time that Richard Paul Evans is talking about. And I can do things right from home more often than not. There are, there are definitely different differences when I'm reasoning it out, but when I'm feeling fearful and feeling emotional, all of those concerns just blew up, just became so exaggerated in my mind. And I wasn't thinking about it clearly. And I wasn't really thinking it through step by step, thing by thing. I was just scared, scared that that Blaine would be affected negatively by it somehow, scared, uh, just scared to of all the responsibility, <laughs> scared of the financial responsibility and the, and the responsibility to lead and 
the responsibility to to see through something that I feel is so needed and important in the world. So I'm praying this out and I'm I'm talking to God and I'm just, you know, giving him my heart and just just asking him to please help me understand what was true and real and right and wrong and what he was asking me to do and how I should move forward. And the first thing that God did was remind me of the moms whose lives have already been changed. I've We've had women tell us that it saved their marriage. We've had women lose uh, incredible amounts of weight and overcome addictions. We've had women who have uh, restored their relationships, who are much closer to God, who have greater confidence and fulfillment, who understand principles and feel empowered to teach their children, who are more principle-centered in their lives. And and that image of those women came to my mind very clearly. And I was like, okay, yes, it's, it's, it's working. It's blessing lives. And then he reminded me of the big picture of what it is that we're working for and working to build this army of mothers that stand for him, that glorify him through their personal life work that build a generation of stellar, faith-filled, principle-centered children who know their worth with God and who who move forward to make the world a better place and stay centered. And then he reminded me of the increased income that he sent over the last couple of years, providing us with um, opportunities to have much more than we need so that I've been able to hire a math tutor and pay for, you know, online classes for my son so that he can have other mentors. And, you know, my, my daughter has gone to gym, you know, like seven hours a day. And so then I'm, you know, come when, she, when she's here. And anyway, just, just reminded me, you know, I'm, I'm here. I keep providing, reminded me of, of the support that Blaine has offered and how passionately he feels about it and how much he's pushing me out the door, encouraging me to do it. And so all of those things were comforting, but I still kind of hadn't crossed that line. And, you know, one of the reasons that I hesitated in even sharing this story and this podcast, I just did it at the encouragement of one of our board members is because I don't want to give the impression that this is what mission looks like and this is what you are all supposed to do or that I even think it's right for everyone all, you know, or whatever. I I realize that I have hangups with it because I've thought that how it was wrong. Because I've been on the other side of the table being the stay-at-home homeschooling mom and that's the only way to honor God and that's the only way to be a great mom. And now I'm being pushed to see the other side of the story and to see how I can still be here a lot, you know, going, you know, all day Wednesday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, home by mid-afternoon, home all evening. And the physical separation of an office down the street helps my family not feel in competition with the office and with the business because when I'm there, I'm just checked out. And when I'm home, I'm all theirs. You know, and if we weren't in the circumstances that we were in, all my kids, I mean, I only have two kids left at home and they would be at school all day when I was there anyway. So I understood all of that intellectually, but I had some wrong beliefs, you know, and I had some wrong perceptions and I had some really, really big fears. And so finally, 
it was such a sweet thing. Um, God just finally said, go talk to your family. You clearly, you have all these hangups and no, I mean, the Lord has sent me countless help, you know, help always arrives, whether it's editors or where we should hold the event or someone to help us with the event or board members, or, you know, I just had somebody reach out to me that can edit our videos and I desperately need that right now. It's really amazing how the help arrives, the financial, the support anyway. So there was a lot of evidence, lots and lots of evidence that this is the right thing to be doing. And I'm doing it at the right time in the right way, but still to have these hangups and these fears. And, you know, ultimately deep down inside, as hard as it is to admit that greatest fear that I think we all face when we're engaged in something we care so fiercely about is that fear. Can I really do it? If I really put my heart into this thing, you know, am I gonna have all these, you know, weaknesses and, you know, I don't know, problems and insecurities that are gonna hold it back. You know, I don't want to hold MDM back. I don't know if I can do it. And that fear was just gripping me and consuming me and keeping me in limbo, keeping MDM in limbo and keeping this message from reaching more moms, which is the greatest tragedy of all. So he told me to go talk to my family. <laughs> and Oh, it was beautiful. I just shared my heart with them and told them everything basically that I've told you. They knew, you know, that it's a passion project. They knew they've seen testimonials. They've watched it grow. They've seen God's intervention. They've seen how much I love it and feel called to do it. But I explained more about my fears and concerns and about how they come first, no matter what, you know, besides God and, and how did they feel about it? And did they want me to do it? And did they feel like they were going to get left behind? And how much time did they really need me and want me home? And how could we balance this and do this together? And we negotiated it out. You know, they were just, just a delight, just so encouraging. And you can do this and it's going to be awesome. And we're so excited and we want to help and go get an office and get a secretary. And, and you know, if I'm home, I come home at like two or whatever. They're ter- they think that's totally great. I mean, dad's here the whole day. It's not like they're without a parent. You know, my one daughter's in college. She's gone all day, so she doesn't care. But anyway, they were just so encouraging and so loving and so supportive. And we worked it out together. And they wanted it too. And they were just totally like, just go for it. It's going to be great. Brought me so much peace. But (laughs) still a little bit of hang up. I mean, it took me probably another week and a half to just get my act together and fine tune everything about the contract and make the decisions about what needed to happen and go ahead and sign the contract and follow through, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because it just, oh, that fear is so gripping. You know, I've, I've said probably in multiple podcasts that fear, Aristotle said, fear is the anticipation of evil. And that was really what was happening with me when I thought about an office and I thought about a secretary, I just became 
gripped with fear, the, the fear of the financial commitment, the fear of the personal responsibility, the fear of the time away from family and taking the business to a new level. I've never stepped into that space. I've just had these hobbies and when they kind of got bigger, you know, I just would kind of walk away and I kind of was in that habit. I wasn't passionate. I didn't feel the same way about those projects. They were preparation. They were felt like a calling, but but not like the the thing. And so they were perfect preparation, but it's still, I still had to walk through that. And when I was doing the interview with Jody and we were talking about fear a couple weeks ago, we talked about fear being connected with lies. And that's another thing that I came to see really clearly through this experience was how much that fear was really all about lies I was telling myself, like, I can't be a good mom if I have an office and I'm there half the day. <laughs> like, I can't be home if I want to be home. I'm going to let other people control my life and control my schedule. Like, my kids are going to feel neglected if I, you know, keep working on this, except for that now it'll be easier for them because when I'm home, I'm home. You know, just so many lies that, you know, you can't be a good mom if you're running a business or whatever. I had to face those I had to walk through them. I had to see that they were lies. I had to get the truth, my mind around the truth. The truth has to set you free. You know, I needed to be freed from those wrong beliefs in order for the faith to be able to take hold of me. And and the rest of the story that's so fascinating and fantastic is that you would think that once I signed the lease, that I would then get really worried because now it's real, now it's permanent. But actually, the opposite was true. As soon as I signed the lease, I felt great. <laughs> and I didn't worry about the I have not thought about the decision, worried about the decision or questioned the decision one time since I signed that lease. Since I just stepped on out in faith, I knew that was the next step. I knew that was the risk that I needed to take. I knew that was what God was asking me to do. We spent the time together to work it out. And I did not leave my family behind. We negotiated it. They had a say in where it was and how much I'm there and and how it's going to work. I look forward to, if I need to travel, to bringing them with me and making them a part of this journey. And I've got a son who's very passionate about a teen program and is working at on it for um, himself and is making great strides in his own personal development, self-discipline. And so it has really been an incredibly positive experience and very helpful to me to gain even greater empathy, to see more people as they really are, to be less judgmental and more clear as I do something I never thought that I would do and see that it can still work for everyone's good. And not only have I not worried about this new office and getting the secretary, which I'll move in next week, I'll send some pictures out so you can see it and get some ads going for a secretary. But I started thinking of all the other reasons that I hadn't thought of before that this office was so beneficial to MDM. One simple one was the fact that my husband's going to remodel our house and we wouldn't even have a space to work if we tried to work out of the house. That um, there would be no invasion of privacy. I get interrupted all the time at home, even when my children mean well. And that having a permanent studio and a big enough office 
also allows for some live events here in Dallas. It allows for more opportunity to do video work and share out more more content and more information that will be of help to all of you, I hope. So I want you to know that I do battle with fear just like you. That every time we're stepping in to a new space where we've never been, it's going to be scary. And if you find yourself with something that sounds kind of exciting, but you keep stalling and putting it off and putting it off, it just might be that like me, you're having a lot of fears that you don't recognize. I didn't even realize at first that I was putting it off out of fear. I didn't even understand that I was scared to take that next step and to make that bigger commitment and to demand more of myself. And so think about that. If if you are anticipating evil instead of good, if you're putting off things that you know you should do and you're not sure why, maybe you're struggling with fear as well. And maybe you should evaluate why you're stopping. Ask yourself those same questions that I asked myself. Why am I putting this off? What is it I'm really afraid of? What is all the evil that I think is going to potentially come out of this step that I feel like maybe I should take or want to take? And then work with your family to work it out. Struggle through it with God and attack the fears and find the truth and let it set you free from those fears that are stopping you from the personal growth that you're being urged on to. Thanks so much for listening. You can get your free audio book copy of The Mission Driven Life at themissiondrivenmom.com and I will see you next time.